all of your movements, the posture of the salah, it doesn't just become this mechanical movement, bow, prostrate. Even if it, I mean, it is mechanical. It is. So what if it is mechanical? Why is mechanical? But we should be aware of it, right? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. know. But people demonize. No, yeah, yeah. But no. <laughs> we were commanded by Allah Ta'ala to do mechanical movements. Definitely. And matter of fact, right, from the recommended acts of the prayer, right, the whole goal is to emulate the prayer of the Prophet, mm-hmm. right? Nobody prayed the prayer more perfectly of any human than him. And so I absolutely mechanically, to the best of my ability, want to repeat that as mechanically accurate as possible every single prayer that I do. This is why we have to be careful about demonizing certain words, especially when that demonization is one that we didn't come up with on our own, but was cast into us from the outside. Welcome to the Middle Ground Podcast. I'm your host, Imam Mark Manley from Middle Ground Muslim Center. Welcome to episode 11. Again, I'm going to be joined by my brother, Dawood Aleman. And in this episode, we're going to discuss the topic of focus, specifically considering things like meditation and prayer, what we as Muslims call salah, and such words as like khushu'a, which sometimes are translated as either focus or humility. And so we're going to dive into all of these today and see, you know, what is, for instance, the difference between prayer and meditation? Are they the same? Are they completely different? As always, leave us a comment or some feedback. We also want to let everybody know that you can now find us on both Apple and Spotify podcasts. So if you are, are an, an Apple user, You can find and keep track of all the episodes as they come out on Apple Podcasts and the same likewise on Spotify Podcasts. So what what kind of chaos are we going to get in today, man? Well, about a week ago, no, yeah, I guess it's about a week ago now. um, I'm always, you know, digging in, looking at the... uh, that's why you're always in trouble, man. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Getting into the the no man's land. Getting into areas. the weeds. And uh, I came across that this concept of uh, flow. What the heck is flow? What are these oh, cats talking go, about? Man. Flow. I mean, I can rap a little, but I, I, I oh, was, here we yeah. go, hustle and flow. Yeah, that was okay. a while ago. <laughs> so. And then I said, well, let me look that. And there you go. You start looking up stuff. And what do they mean by this? What is flow? Don't tell me we're getting into some weird, you know, galaxy stuff. But it, it kind of intrigued me as I started looking into the definition. I said, oh, this is a real study. There's some academic, <laughs> yes. uh, 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 you know, literature behind this thing. And so the idea of it's called flow state. And so I said, okay, well, what's flow state? So also known as being in the zone. So that term comes up a lot in business, um, sports, you know, and that's kind of where it would derive from being in the zone. We There's even a book uh, for financial traders, you know, stock market traders, you name it. Um, and there was a book called In the Zone. So you're just in, in that zone. zone of trading and you're not being encumbered by feelings, emotions, outside factors that, you know, mess up your trade. However, the idea is this is a a mental state in which a person is fully immersed in an activity with the feeling of energized focus 
And so that caught me. I said, wait a minute, energized focus. You know, in my mind, defaults back to Islam all the time. So I'm filtering these concepts with Islam. And I said, okay, focus, energized focus. It continues on. Um, full involvement and enjoyment. This uh, and full enjoyment. In flow, people typically experience deep concentration, a sense of control, a loss of self-consciousness, altered perception of time, and intrinsic enjoyment. I said, man, this sounds like prayer. This is where I, I need to put my brain, <laughs> I need to get in flow with my prayer, right? And so I, I started digging into it, and I was like, well, you know, how does this correlate with Islam? And, you know, the idea of kushua came to to my mind. Mm. And in particularly the idea of loss of self-consciousness. And let me just read you the characteristics according to flow state. What is loss of self-consciousness? Two concepts too, the intrinsic enjoyment. You know, that's what I think we should be getting out of Islam as well. There's this intrinsic enjoyment as well. It's just not like I got to go do it. However, We've always talked about, you know what, it's not about emotional state and you have to feel a certain way when you go to Salah. Otherwise, you didn't achieve. No, it's a command. You just go do what you got to yeah, do. The reason why you do the Salah, you know, or if I don't feel it, feel like it, <clears throat> I'm not going to go do it if I'm grumpy, if I'm sad, if right. I'm irritated. That being said, if you want to have that feeling, you're not entitled to it. And so you got to go get it. There we go. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, because um, people will always, you know, that, that's a question I get very common as imam. How do I get more khoshua on my salah? And my my user my usual response is, well, what have you done to go get it? Mm. Do you even know what it is first? Right. So, al-awwal, ma huwa, right? Al-khoshua, what is it? And then secondarily, after now you kind of have an inkling of what it is. What have you done to go get it? Or is it always just supposed to be coming to you? <laughs> and I want to circle back to this yeah. as we go, because I think we, we were living in the age of entitlement. Yeah. Uh, even on a very subconscious level. You know, sometimes we say the word entitlement that always has such a, you know, antagonistic aspect to it. Oh, you're feeling very entitled. Uh, and that, that, that can be true for some things. But also, I think people have just been reared to not be go-getters for anything. Mm. And so if you want to have khushur, as we get into the definition of it, and whatever, uh, or as you said, flow, you want flow, you got to go get it. Right. You know. Yeah. And, and you know, part of that is building that, that state of mind. And you get there, you know, and, and the ulama and in our dean, I mean, there's just volumes and volumes. And of course, for this discussion, it's really condensed, but, um, as I mentioned, you know, I started, I start correlating things with my Dean. I have to, otherwise I, I don't know if there's a falsehood in it or truth or whatnot, you know? So if it, if it's resonating because I can see this in my religion, then okay, it, this can jive, but let me just stick to my religion. However, coming back to one of the concepts of loss of self consciousness is the idea here where the individual forgets themselves. Mm. And we have these concepts in our Dean where we're going to pray. Or do we have a hidden agenda Am I going to the masjid because I feel like the brothers need to see me there? Or am I going there because I need to pray? <laughs> you know, this well, is, it's you funny know. that you don't, repeat that part that yeah. you just said, though, because so, you, you talked about, repeat that again, because the verse that we're going to cite as we go 
is one of those verses that talks about, it's one of the verses that mentions khoshu'a, mm. actually khashi'an. So what you said, the first part was forgetting yourself, because mm. as we'll look and see in that passage in the 59th chapter in Surah Al-Hashr, what precedes the verse that many of us know, if you had seen this Quran, if you saw this, uh, this, this mountain, if we had revealed this Quran upon a mountain, you would have seen it. You saw it split itself asunder from the khushu'ah, the reverence. The re- but what comes before that? Don't be like those that forgot themselves. Mm. So you're talking about that, 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 that just popped in my head, right? It's so interesting that you had made the yeah. connection between forgetting who you are, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, so this the, 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 the major concept here is loss of self consciousness. Individuals forget themselves, their problems, and their surroundings. Yeah, don't be like those that forgot Allah. Right? They say, Know thyself. Well, there's an issue with it. No, know Allah, right? Know Allah and remember Him and don't forget Him, and then you will know yourself. Otherwise, Allah will cause you mm. to forget who you are. That's right. So, you know, that struck me. So, you know, I said, well, am I doing this? You know, and, and one of the, one of the, if you will, mindset in adjusting your prayer, adjust it, and even in the, the flow state, whether you're at sports or whatever, it's your job, whatever you're getting in, something you enjoy, um, you self-evaluate, right? And you go mm-hmm. back and critique yourself. And there's many times in my prayer, you know what? That, that, I, I got to make this up. <laughs> I got to go back. <laughs> I, I, I do over, do over. Did, did I, I don't even remember saying it. No. <laughs> so the awareness factor of what you're engaging in, especially Salah, you know, and, and I think this is a good point to, to break off because I think nowadays we have so much... Um, the space is wide open for meditation and, you know, all these other concepts and kind of infusing them with Islam. You're trying to make me, you really yeah. try. Don't upset the apple cart. Man. Yeah. And I, I just maybe give us a definition because maybe new listeners, new Muslims. Well, what is the different the difference between meditation and our salah? Because one might get confused. Well, this is like meditation. I'm meditating and getting close to Allah or something. Yeah, I would, I would challenge most people, yeah. one, to give me, what is meditation? Um, and of course, I think that will depend on, as it's defined going back in time, the modern day definition of meditation is, is, is about the self yep. and about the so-called mind in and of itself. That, that term, the mind, is a modern abstraction of a refusal to acknowledge that we cannot be atomized right into just little bitty parts so pre-modern traditions would locate the essence of a person in their soul to some extent and then either a part of or grafted onto or in some association there were different appetites right that would uh influence the soul in different ways Fast forward to the modern time, and this, of course, is a very clumsy, yeah, you know, sure. uh, 
But in the modern times, the soul has been replaced with the mind. Right. And the brain and consciousness and mm-hmm. whatnot. And so a lot of modern practices that I think that are common for people that do meditation is about trying to affect certain types of cognitive uh, uh, you know, operations, mm. like quieting the thoughts, and yeah, therefore yeah. it's connected with breathing and on and on. So, one, it has everything to do about you, which we can put that aside, whether that's good or bad. Let's not even make a value judgment on that, but it's about you. Salah, it is indirectly about you. Mm. Right, you're doing it because Allah has commanded you to do so. Yeah. But in the fulfillment of that command, you benefit yourself by being in the good graces of God, as we would say in English. Right. That so, it is one of the means to be close to Him, and that's why, um, obviously, quieting the thoughts and not being distracted by the world is, uh, it is something to yearn for and to try to achieve but even if your thoughts are very spastic and you perform the prayer alhamdulillah that supersedes obviously we would like to uh you know have our 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 thoughts quieted so that when we perform it we can have the khushur although what's interesting this word khushur and we can even help define for our some in the audience may yeah. not be familiar with Arabic. So, kha, sheen, wow, ain, and then its active participle, kha, So, kha, alif, sheen, ain, and then in English, the kha is usually spelled with a kh. So, like khu, shu. Apostrophe or something like that, yeah. something akin to that, right? Um, it is always about Allah. Mm. It's always about God, and so it's a God-centered practice. Yeah, where I would say that meditation is a self-centered practice, and I don't mean self-centered as in yeah. selfish. Uh, again, we can that 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 can be a potential, you know. Second conversation, but that I think that would define it. I mean, it is yeah. an act of devotion. It's not an act of clearing, you know, clearing one's thoughts. The salah, the salah, yeah. Right? The, the salah is not about that. Yeah. Now, it isn't to say that you cannot experience that sure. or achieve that. And I think from just some what we were talking about before, maybe some of the anecdotal, you know, uh, types of things that we read about from you know very pious and righteous people is that it does have that effect, but actually not just while doing the prayer, but upon exiting the prayer. Mm. And perhaps there is, maybe if there's any Venn diagram overlap between meditation and prayer, is that both are done, uh, or rather upon the completion of both, they can have the potential effect to Mm. lessen uh, one's being affected by the world, Though I would say that's far more perhaps the intention of the latter of meditation and not necessarily a fixation of the, mm. of, of, of the former, meaning of, of prayer. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Uh, and, I, and again, you know, over my kind of uh, 
due diligence and looking at what, like, what is meditation? And across the board, it varies from different tradition, whether that's a Buddhist, you name it, or a Western yoga. Yes. I mean, it just, yes, you know, meditation yeah. at its foundation might have this kind of zeroing out of thought process and just, you know, getting your focus. I did come across an interesting, and there was two, but I'll just read one. Uh, this is coming from, I believe, Dr. <coughs> Dr. Joe Dispenza, where he mentions meditation. Uh, one focuses their thoughts to bring them in alignment with positive intention or affirmation. And okay, that's an, in a general sense that can mean a lot of things and then be interpreted in it different ways. It also said he right? said a whole lot of nothing. And it, it could sound like a whole lot of nothing, and you could probably, you know, piecemeal this out. He must also work in politics because yeah. it sounded like he said, he sounded good, but I'll. I'll <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, but the focus here is Hoshua um, and getting these, uh, getting the Salah correct. Right. With these aspects that we know of from Quran. And that's why I really want to differentiate quickly about meditation and things like that, because a lot of new Muslims will might have might bring in some of these traditions and find there's a Venn diagram where there. No, we've you've you've, you 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 missed the dartboard, you know, and you didn't get the bullseye at all. But it feels so familiar. Yes. And this is the problem. So, no, it it is. We are devoting ourselves to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because of his command to go make these five daily prayers, period. And we don't need to add nothing and detract nothing. So I just want to make that clear too. Um, so as we mentioned though, the, the ulama said, you know, you, you, you could folk, you know, part of that is taking this accounting of your salah, you know, and where were you at in it and on and on and on, like really thinking about, how did I perform this a lot? What was I feeling in this a lot? Did I do this correctly? Was I aware, right? And that's an important difference, I think, between salah and meditation, where mm. obviously everything that we do is recorded. So if I meditate, the, the angels will write, and that'll be in my record in my book. Mm. Okay, he meditated, right? Um, just as if I, if I pray dhuhr, okay, he prayed, he did the prayer, it's recorded. The difference is one of those checks off either an obligation if it was one of the mandatory prayers, or an act of drawing closer that is uh, without a doubt pres- prescribed in Islam, right? Mm. Now, does meditation not, does, does is, is meditation because it is not from the Prophet Sallallahu is it devoid of any benefit? Of course we can't say this because there are many things that, that people do um, that, that may not... Uh, directly uh its genealogy does not go all the way back to the prophet sallam and we so because of that we don't say it's devoid of value but there is a difference between that which is of course in the case of the fara'id those that are mandatory and of course you know with with uh obligations to do when they're fulfilled you get a reward but even for those that aren't but they are you know men, we just talked about the mandubat right in the fiqh class right mm-hmm. those things that are recommended or the the mustahab Right, so that you become the mustahib, right? So that there are those things that are beloved, so you become beloved to God, right? Become beloved to Allah. Uh, there is, there's nothing that we can say that oh, if you meditate, you'll become beloved. Right. Perhaps in some indirect way, right? So you calm your thoughts, and then that leads to you, you know, uh, whatever, lowering your gaze or giving charity, or if it indirectly, then okay, alhamdulillah. And that's something that, for instance, Imam Al Qafasi talks about. Um, 
in the intro to his work on fiqh where he goes into a little bit of the usul or the foundational knowledge and he says you take for instance that um, a man and a woman have, or rather particularly a husband and a wife having sexual relations or even drinking coffee, right? All these are neutral, mm. right? Um, they're permissible to do, but in terms of the reward, it's neutral. But however, if through the fulfillment of that desire, uh, it helps to protect the other from wandering into infidelity or in the case of coffee, uh, you use it to propel you to make qiyam layl or pray right. to hajjid, right? Then even those things that are neutral can potentially have a benefit, right? And mm. I'm not, nobody, I don't want anybody to, I am not advocating <laughs> in any way whatsoever for people to meditate. I myself don't meditate. I've never found it useful. It's not my cup of tea, right? Um, but right. I'm just saying that in the case of those things that fall into the neutral category, it is an important thing that if they can if they can bring, but then we also have to limit our praise of that and then not artificially raise it now because, oh, well, some people meditate and that makes them better at doing certain things as Muslims. Now we can elevate <clears throat> meditation and include it into the fall where it becomes some sort of like pseudo, you know, mendub, pseudo mustahab, <laughs> pseudo, you know, Islamicized thing. No, we, we cannot do that, mm. right? But perhaps. Uh, on case by case basis, perhaps they do render some secondary benefit. Right. Yeah. No. Agreed. So, um, part of the. I know we got our, our our light system is here. If we don't move like every five minutes, like it's, I don't know, man. It's kind of weird if the lights go out. Part of the um, and, and well, let's let's stick with Kushur. So. Did we get a definition? Because we probably have to say this word a couple of times. And can I just use a, because focus, I know, concentration, I know, for the lack of better words. But um, it's a very comprehensive word. There's a lot of aspects to kushua. Should we define that now? Or you have. Yeah, so yeah. I think it's probably helpful going forward to like, okay, so what, you know, what is kushua? And with with certain words like this, they are best especially if, we, if we're going to talk about them as Muslims. Because one, the word khushur is not a word in all of its various inflections, whether it's khushur as a masdar, right, or as a verbal noun, or khashi' as a ism like as the active participle, or yakhshona, mm. uh, right, as a, as a uh, uh, present tense verb, or even... Uh, you know what, whether you're, so what, whether we're talking about generally what does it mean? So if we look at the Quran, and, I was, and my whole point is that these words are going to be best defined by looking in the Quran as to what they mean. So mm. let's look at the forty-fifth verse of Surah Al-Baqarah, where Allah says, "Bismillahirrahmanirrahim." <laughs> You know, how, you know ha- have strength, have internal fortitude uh, to persevere and maintain the prayer. Mm. And that indeed will be an enormous affair for, for most people, except, or meaning they will find it difficult, except for illa ala al-khashi'een. So there's a, there's a kind of, you could think of humans as a big circle. And within that, there's a slice of pie of that circle of a certain kind of person that is a khashi' 
and more particularly, there are certain groups of people, because Allah here refers it to and in the voice of the plural, so illa al-khashi'in. So there's a certain kind of person that is a person of khushu'ah. So what is that? The next verse gives, the, in my opinion, the best definition of what khushu'ah, either as in uh, sort of an infinitive noun, or as an active participle, right, is what... Uh, it is a person that knows, actively knows that yeah. they are going to meet their Lord. So all acts of khushur, all, um, you know, all mentioning of khushur and whatever its grammatical variations are throughout the Quran and in various forms of speech are indelibly tied to going back to Allah and meeting Him in the in the hereafter, it's all about akhirah. Like khushur is a is a word that is tied emphatically to one's fate in the hereafter. So Allah dina yadunnuna annahum mulaqu rabbihim wa annahum ilayhi rajiun. You know, there's a common phrase that Muslims say when a person passes away. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun. You know, we belong to Allah and to Him are we returning. So the second definition, there's two major definitions that Allah gives for the khashi'un in the Qur'an. Those that know that they're going to meet their Lord and that they are returning to Him. Right? So even, meaning you know you're going to Him, and even before you get to Him, you know that you're going to return to Him. So it's, it's without a doubt, in, in my opinion, that's probably one of the very best examples. It's also important to note that... Uh, and so now we can say that it's a person that has a sense of humility, a person that has a sense of awareness and humility. Mm. Because if you know you're going to go back to Allah, you do not want to go back in a state of arrogance because that's the state. Yeah. That's the state of, of Iblis. Right? That's literally the state of Satan. So the very opposite of that is to be a person of humility. So we can, as we go forward to make the conversation easier, we can also kind of now substitute or interchange between khushu' and humility. Okay, we'll stick with humility. How about focus and concentration? I mean, and that's a byproduct, wouldn't you say? I mean, that's what happens once you're in that state because you're... It can be, I mean, if you want to, so for instance, the, in the second verse, uh, in verse 46... Dhanna is, is again, these are words that are very con, con, uh, contextually very specific. So, dhanna, yeah. as Allah says, in one context, Allah says, some of thinking is actually sinful, especially mm. meaning in speculative thinking. Mm. So, dhanna in, in some circumstances, and it, you could even say in a very common set of circumstances, Dhanna means to speculate on that which you really don't have 100% knowledge upon. But that's not what it means in every single case. Because mm-hmm. Allah is saying the people of Khushu'a, Al-Khashi'un, those are the people, Alladhina yadunnuna annahum mulaqu rabbihim. They know mulaqu. They didn't say uh, sayyalqawna Allah. They didn't say that they're going to meet Allah. It uses the word mulaq. So the mulaqin is a person that is like literally the, you are going to be there. You are physically... Mm-hmm. Embodied, you are going to go on the day of judgment. You will exit your grave. You will be resurrected. You will be there and you will be in the presence of your Lord and you will be judged. And you know that. Mm. So that's what it's intimately 
tie into. I I I don't I hate to always go into the super granular level of the of the grammar, but it's important, right? The yeah. mulaq. So you know, laqa means to meet. Like and alaqaytu Dawood fil masjid. I met Dawood at the masjid. Mm-hmm. So laqa mulaqu, right? It's a personal. Right, mulaqu. So it's a alif in there, right? It's a very personal inflection, meaning you're gonna be there, not in some transcendental meditation. <laughs> you know, Weird uh, uh, yeah, you know, metaphorical. No, it's you, a reality. It's a re. It's the reality. The reality. It's the reality. You will be there. But it's also to know that it's a it's a it's a quality that is associated also with other qualities, and if you don't have some of those other qualities, you don't have it. So then, likewise, you have the passage in Surah Al Ahzab, where Allah says, "Inna al-Muslimina wal-Muslimat, wal-Mu'minina wal-Mu'minat, wal-Qanitina wal-Qanitat, wal-Sadiqina wal-Sadiqat, wal-Sabirina wal-Sabirat, wal-Khashiina wal-Khashiati ila akhirha." So there's the 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 thirty fifth verse of the thirty third chapter Surah Al Ahzab, and Allah lifts off a whole groups of people, groups that embody certain qualities. So in al Muslimina wal Muslimat, so the Muslims, those that submit to Allah, wal Mu'minina wal Mu'minat, and those that are really believers, men and women, and so. Each of these is going to use a masculine and a feminine plural. Mu'minina wal mu'minat, muslimina wal mu'minat, right? Wal qanitina wal qanitat. Right? Those men and women who are devoted. And again, in groups. So this isn't also just a personal Olympics. It is also a true manifestation of it such that you could be lumped and included into a group. So how do you know you have khushu'a? Are you with the khashi'in? How do you know if you're with the Khashi'in? Are you with the Muslimin? Are you with the Muslims? Are you with the Mu'minin or the Mu'minat? Mm. Are you with the Qanitin? Are you with the people of devotion? You know, are you a person that is devoted to Islam? Mm. Right? Wasadiqin, uh, sadiqat. Are you honest? And are you known to be? Because if you are a Sadiq, that means then you are with the Sadiqin, with the Sadiqun. <clears throat> so that means you are with the men and women that exude. Honesty. Mm. You were the people of fortitude, patience, right? Sabr. And then Al Khashi'ina wal Khashi'at. So what I'm saying is, and if you look in the if you look in this verse, it's very important. It has many, many groups, men and women, male and female, expressed in the plural. And so it's not even the first in that list. Right? Muslim, Mu'min, uh 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 Qanit, uh, and on and on and on. But it is in there. And so Allah includes it as an indelible quality to Islam because it begins with the Muslimin. And so it's also important for us when we're going to try to formulate and understand khushu'a. Don't think, oh, I just have to get that one quality and I'm not. No, you got to be a Muslim and a mu'min and a qanit and a sadiq and a sabir and a khashi'ah and a mutasaddiq and a, a sa'im, right? Even the, the people of fasting, and on and on. So again, thirty the thirty third chapter, the thirty fifth verse. That that is important into culminating a definition of what is khushu'a. Mm. Uh, at the very beginning of Surah Al Mu'minun, the chapter entitled "The Believers." Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Qad aflah al Mu'minun. Allah says the believers have been successful, meaning they're gonna in the hereafter. Ultimately, I mean, both in the dunya. But especially in the Akhirah, 
Right? The, the, the mu'minun, the believers, they will be successful. What is the first thing that is mentioned that relates to their iflah, to their success and their happiness is going to be what? Those were the ones that were that had khushu' in their salah. Those that what? Alladina yadunnuna annahum mulaqu rabbihim. Those that know that they're going to meet Allah and that they belong to Him. And that is the first thing that Allah says about the success of the believers is He mentions the prayer. So khushu' and prayer are going to be intimately associated. Um, I would would list just a couple more and then we'll move on. Also from the 59th chapter, Surah Al-Hashr. And so this one, what many of us will know. Allah says, وَلَا تَكُونُوا كَالَّذِينَ نَسُوا اللَّهَ فَأَنْسَاهُمْ أَنْفُسَهُمْ O you who believe, don't be like those that forgot uh, that forgot Allah. Because then Allah will cause them to forget themselves. أُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الْفَاسِقُونَ And therefore, to forget Allah and to not do khushu is to become a fasik, is to become either a deviant or somebody obscene. Mm. And then, Two verses later, لَوْ أَنزَلْنَا هَذَا الْقُرْآنَ عَلَىٰ جَبَلٍ if, if we had sent down this Qur'an upon a mountain, which we normally think of as an inanimate object, but it is not. It has a, it has a type of so-called conscious. If we had sent this Qur'an upon a mountain, لَرَّعَيْتُهُ خَاشِعًا مُتَصَدِّعًا مِنْ خَشْتِ اللَّهِ You would have seen it tearing itself apart, meaning you wouldn't have seen it Torn apart, as in passive, like later on, oh, you came upon you came upon the ruins of this mountain. That no, you would have witnessed it with your own eyes, happening live. Khashian mutasaddian, and then so also this mutasaddian min khashyatillah, and so then also it's it's associated with another word that sounds very close, which is khashya, which is you know uh, reverential fear, right? So. It would have humbled itself out of reverential fear of knowing who Allah is. That He is who, right? Allah forgives whomever He so desires, but He also punishes whomever He desires. And then the last one I would say is a, a beautiful passage from Surah Al Anbiya, uh, the 21st chapter in the 89th verse. Where Allah says, "Wazakariya uh, and when Zachary, when Zechariah, when he called upon his Lord, Rabbi la tadarni fardan, O oh Allah, don't leave me all by myself without a child. You know, because you are those, you are the best of of providing and giving those rights uh, uh, some type of uh, successor. You know, yahya." And so we heard him and we answered and we gave him Yahya, right? John the Baptist, mm-hmm. right? And we, we, we made his wife fertile. So they, right, they, had, they, uh, they, they had a son. What qualities then did they, they have? They're the ones that raced. They, they, they rushed towards doing all kinds of good. You know, and I know those are the other words we're going to get to, right? And that they called upon us with hope and with fear. And they were to us very humble, mm. right? So calling upon Allah, 
calling upon him and hoping for for the good and fearing of the uh, you know hoping for what good will come but also fearing uh, uh, you know any, any punishment and being in a state of humility mm. right so th- those would be some of the verses that I think would help to situationally and contextually define Joshua. Hopefully that now people will have a, a good idea looking at those, you know, how that word is employed in several different verses. Yeah. Yeah, Jazakallah here. Yeah, I, I, you know, making that connection of, as you mentioned in the other ayah, where those who have, you know, Joshua, they're, they're they're aware they're going to return to their Lord. So in that case, you're having this humility, right? So we can connect the dots there. Yeah. So the 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 some of the key points uh, some of the scholars have mentioned is that focus on Allah, and this is one of the primary purposes uh, in your prayer, and also making this direct connection with Allah. You're having this meeting, if you will, for lack of better words. And they emphasize that during prayer, a person should focus their heart and mind solely on Allah and His presence. But I'd like to change that word focus more to your intent. So you're having an intent to be with Allah, yes. to go to this prayer. And your focus, they focus their heart and mind, and we can... Um, connect the heart here because sometimes you know that becomes abstract because so I, I, I'm focusing my heart <laughs> well the idea here is that your heart is aware of love you're having this love and fear yes you're yes. having this presence of love and fear within your heart so focusing their heart and mind and then we might bring the mind this idea of awareness and awareness yes. here it also is is connected to the idea of what you're saying, all of your movements, the posture of the Salah, right? So it doesn't just become this mechanical, you know, movement, bow, prostrate. Even if it, I mean, it is mechanical. It is. So what if it is mechanical? Why is mechanical? But we should be aware of it, right? Yeah, yeah, I know, but people demonize. No, yeah, yeah. But (laughs) we were commanded by Allah Ta'ala to do mechanical movements. Definitely. Right. Um, and matter of fact, you know, the whole, you know, one of the, uh, from the mendubat, right, from the recommended acts of the prayer, like when you bow, when you make rukur, right, your back being parallel to the ground, right, the whole goal is to emulate the prayer of the Prophet. Mm-hmm. Right? Nobody prayed the prayer more perfectly of any human than him. And so I absolutely mechanically to the best of my ability want to repeat that Definitely. as mechanically accurate as possible every single prayer that I do. This is why we have to be careful about demonizing certain yeah. words, especially when that demonization is one that we didn't come up with on our own but was cast into us from yeah. the outside. Oh, that's that fuddy-duddy mechanical doing the robotic prayer. No, actually, I want to be like yeah. a robot in my prayer 
in terms of the physicality of it. I want to be as microscopically precise as I can to pray like the Prophet mm-hmm. as much as possible. And that's not blameworthy. That's mm-hmm. the very opposite. That's praiseworthy. That's right. Right. So being careful of, you know, you know, we, Muslims love, boy, we love to take other people's stuff, man, that they say something and just, ooh, let me get a little sip of that. And then I'm going to call it something. <laughs> like, man, you, you don't even own the rights to that, man. And now you <laughs> run around telling other people, oh, you're being robotic. Yeah. And, and, and I'm 100% aware of it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> no, and that's true. It, it is true. It, that's a demonized word. When, so the mind, your mind is present there, it's focused. Because you're aware of all of the movements that we should be doing. Um, they also mentioned there's a long laundry list here, but I'm not going to go through them all. But understanding the meaning of what we're saying. We well, need yeah, to yeah, graduate yeah, yeah, yeah. to that level. This is the part of the humility and really tying us into the Salah, if you will, having your concentration, your focus, um, and bringing this humility there so this is going to help you and that's why there's be been present. a big emphasis you know i know some people don't they almost all oh, you know well that's that you know arab elitism and islam is not an arab religion it's not but it is a religion whose book is revealed in the arabic language yeah the the a divine form of of arabic language is far far surpassing anything you know any human arab could have produced be that as it may it's still revealed. And therefore, if you want to have the khoshua in your prayer, if you want to have, like you're saying, focus and meaning and you want to have a pivot, well, then you need to, you need, again, it doesn't come to you. You got to go get it. Yeah. And so you're going to have to learn the Arabic language to some degree or another. And I always say, you know, becoming a master of the Arabic language, that might be beyond a great many people because, I mean, heck, that's, even for to become a master of the English language, <laughs> even as a native speaker, is not an easy thing to do. Right. Um, but if what you want is to make your daily rituals, which you are required to do every day, day in, day in and day out for your entire life, if you want to make those more meaningful, then you need to learn that language to the right. best of your ability. And I can say for myself, it. it, it you know, alhamdulillah, being blessed to learn Arabic language has undoubtedly had a tremendous effect on why I do not look at the prayer as something, oh man, I gotta go. I'm not, I'm not saying that I don't ever have times where I'm tired and I struggle to get out of bed. I mean, you know, we went over to Ishaq's place uh, a couple of weeks ago and worked out, man. And for about three or four days there, man, Fudger was like, I felt like I was bench pressing a, a dump truck, man, just to get the, the covers off because I was so sore, right? Yeah, yeah. And so I'm not saying there aren't times where, you know, I, I can have either fatigue or even laziness. But just putting those aside, the prayer itself, once I'm in it, yeah. and then I'm, I know what I'm saying, I've been blessed to understand what those words mean. That's how, you know, in my opinion, that's... Maybe not the only way, but I think that's a one of the broader avenues on on that on that map to get there. That's right. And so the the idea here is so we've we've kind of defined, we gave a definition to Kshua, but then you know some might ask, well, how do we get to that state? And so these are some of the concepts that the ulama had you know um, expounded on to to get us to the to that state. 
And so also your purity of intention. Uh, we did talk about the, the, um, the prayer posture becomes very important because yes. we're not making this up on our I own. I see people slouching all the time when they pray. I see people when they hold themselves, uh, you know, I mean, that's why, I mean, okay, there is a thing called sadal. This is an opinion amongst some of the Madakiya, but qabad is also uh, a, a dominant opinion amongst the Madakiya, meaning that you, you, qabad meaning in Arabic, that you grasp, right? Your right hand grasp, right? You hold your hands, mm. right? And so think about that. Uh, and and uh, again, uh, if you pray sadal, alhamdulillah, whatever, this is not that kind of argument, right? Especially as a Madaki. But what I'm saying is, the qabad is that you are grasping. You know, you're holding yourself at attention. Mm. Like a soldier. Yeah. You're holding yourself at attention. Yeah. Even the takbir of ihram. Right? You begin. And that's why, yes, you make the niyyah. You make the intention. But it's not good enough to say, well, I got good intentions. No. You have to make a dhikr when you begin your prayer. What mm. do I mean? People associate dhikr with, you know, I don't know, like you said, beating a tambourine and mm. spinning around a circle and <laughs> beads and stuff, right? Um, it got some incense burning, you know, then then, you know, the, the disco ball comes down and <laughs> you know, all, all hell breaks loose. That, I'm not that's not what right? the, the interesting thing about dhikr, the word dhikr in the Arabic language, it has a duality to it. It means to recall from memory. Mm. Right. Oh, I just remembered something. Right. That's dhikr, to recall from memory, but also to make mention of. Mm. Jahran was sirran, right? Audibly or silently, but to make mention of. So the way that you begin the prayer is you audibly make a dhikr by saying Allahu Akbar. Right. That's how you begin. And so I think also, not to go tangential, but I think that's a big difference too between. Uh, Meditation and the salah mm. is that it is a form of mandated recalling who is my Lord. Ah, yes, and I have obligations to him. And then making mention of him in every single major movement of the prayer. Yeah. From the beginning, Allahu Akbar. You recite the Fatiha before Raku, Allahu Akbar. Coming up from the Raku, go down to Sujood, Allahu Akbar. Over and over and over throughout the prayer, you have to make mention of Allah. That is dhikr, right? So yeah. along with the intentionality, along with the niyyah, along with the focus, right, is also you have to make mention. Yeah. you got to put God's name in your mouth. You know what I mean? You have to literally cause Allah's name to come out of your mouth. You make mention of him. That's right. So when people talk about states, how frequently is Allah's name coming out of your mouth? One hundred percent. So, in correlation with the posture, we are demonstrating, or should be aware, we're demonstrating uh, humility and devotion. Yes. And this is part of your, if you will, your sure state of uh, being. Um, and like the, you know, like you said, the the. Um, this idea of like, it's almost a rank and file military, you know, posturing. And, you know, I, I, I remember, uh, didn't the, the Arab at the time, they didn't like to, to make rukua. This was different. They could do sajda. 
Like that wasn't a big yeah, deal. Yeah, yeah. That was commonplace, but to have to bow? Well, yeah. Now, wait a minute. <laughs> I don't like that. So, you know, Islam comes and breaks the wings of yeah, everybody's yeah. Uh, kibber, everybody's arrogance and, uh, you know, in one form or another where, you know, some things you're acceptable. So, so this whole posture and movement throughout the Salah is really demonstrating, a, uh, I mean, I know, especially probably for Americans, though, to actually bow down on your forehead. We always thought but that also, was like something, you know. You have to, and think about it, you bow down, you bow, you make rukul, you bow, you make sajjad, you prostrate, but also... Right, the believers, the Muslims, the group—you're part of a group. How do we pray? Do we pray willy-nilly? Is it an individual right. expression, or is it a saf? It's sufuf. It's lines, right? Straight lines. Yep. You line up straight, as Allah says. You know, when He's describing those that what you those that fight in the way of Allah. Right, he describes them as a saf, and when we line up for the prayer, it's a saf, it's yes. a straight line, right? So yes, that that, that there yeah. is a discipline to Islam, yeah, and that is, uh, I think, emblematic in the physical acts of many of the ritual acts, but obviously the prayer, mm, definitely. Another concept they mentioned here was repelling intrusive thoughts. So this this throws off a lot of us in the yeah. salah, sure. Uh, how much was my bank account? Uh, and oh, I ain't never get distracted with that. Cause there, ain't no, there, ain't, there ain't nothing in there, bro. I know that that one ain't. What are we that gonna... one I got, I got. I'm smooth sailing. <laughs> yeah, I got okay. no distractions because yeah. there ain't nothing yeah, up yeah. in there, man. What, what am I? Did I take the meat out to make sure? We... Yeah, no, that one. <laughs> that, one that one I messed up. <laughs> yeah. So these intrusive thoughts. Uh, some of the scholars have mentioned is is um, you know, right from the get go, get into if you're not at the masjid be in a place where there's no distractions. You're already, you know, you should have started your whole mind state right there from the beginning of wudu, what you're about to enter into and start removing these distractions of the mind. But they happen, right? It's just, we have this, this uh, shaitan with us that loves to come bother and distract yeah. us in the middle of the prayer, if not our own selves are just distracted people. So one of the things maybe is to, uh, seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala yes. from shaitan first, of course, and then try and re or if even during the prayer, right? I don't know. The Maliki Fika is going to suggest that too, right? If you're in the middle of the prayer or some part of the prayer and you get this intrusive thought, should we say, within the prayer? This is a qawl I think that you will find from the, that is going back to some of the Sahaba. Uh, I mean, there's some ikhtilaf about saying the isti'adha, saying, you know, mentioning Iblis uh, specifically in the prayer. But yes, but I think we all, though that's, that's one thing. But I think we also have to then now, why, why are we so prone to distraction today? Mm. Right? Um, I think one of the reasons why we're so prone to distraction, to distraction today is because we so willingly give our attention to every single thing that comes along. And that's, that's I would say, there's a 50-50 blameworthiness to, of that. In that, you know, we all have these tablets, computers, smartphones, watches. 
And we love these things, you know, and they all go beep and buzz and flash and, you know, notifications. And, you know, we, we, we are bombarded with imagery and marketing and, you know, and that's what, you know, that's what they want. They want people today to willingly, slavishly give up their attention to every single thing that comes along. You know, like I was going into the CVS the other day to pick up a prescription and like I'm already having to go in there, and then they got you know you hate, you when you go to the store, they got the table outside, and somebody's right. like you know selling something or they're trying to get donations for this or that, and the person was like, hey, 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 and I just you know I'm thinking like man, you know you seem to think you are entitled to my attention, <laughs> you are not entitled to my attention, and so I think we have to also. There's some work to obviously be done outside of the prayer that we need to cultivate a certain sense of attitude. Mm. Not everything is worthy of your attention. Yeah. Now, again, you as soon as you open up your phone and you know your your laptop or your 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 tablet, you know it's like you'll have the center column, but then on the right and left, there's like all these ads, oh. you know, that flash and move, and it's it's constantly a drain on the attention. Yeah. And so, you know, if you're having those intrusive thoughts a lot then I think we also have to look at how we have been, uh, in some ways, habitu- habituated. Yes. And, the, and, 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 the, and the effects of that, you know, that, that stuff just, you know, when you, when you put the laptop down or the phone down, that doesn't just leave you. That now, you are, now you've become permanently affected by that, and you'll yeah. find it hard. And so that's why, you know, people always like, why do you have all those books? You know why? Couldn't you just find it as a PDF? Yeah, I can. <laughs> but every time I have to crack open my laptop, every time I got to open my phone, every time I got to open up my, uh, you know, my, 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 my iPad, I am going to make myself susceptible to an onslaught barrage of distraction. Yeah. Because I might want to just go on there to read that one thing, but now I got this circus that's like constantly going on, <laughs> and so I, I think too we you know we we need to we need to think about how uh, how willingly you know it's like when you download an app you want to use and they say agree to our terms of service <laughs> and you could either scroll for eight six or seven days right through all that or you can just click accept right uh, we mm-hmm. willingly accept that. Yeah. And then wonder why we have all these distraction problems. Yeah. And I would say, you know, to reframe that is, yeah, we're giving consent continuously. And these commercials, as you mentioned, are there to take the place. It's their own dhikr. Remember me. Remember me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we continue to remember that. So removing imagery, as you said, get on the white page of the book with black print and, you know, readjust your mind and reconfigure. I think we were laughing, right? Like just down the street. When you when you're coming up mountain, mm. right, uh, just before the ten, there's a billboard near the McDonald's for uh, all, I think it's like office space or something like that, right? Right, or self storage, and it's got this chick laid out, <laughs> yeah, with like her midriff exposed and the breasts <laughs> and everything. I'm like, you know, you're selling office space. Yes. You're selling office space or storage space, right? <laughs> exactly. But you. But it, that's got to distract, you know, got to distract yeah. me from that. Um, so, yeah, I think also yeah. having to be intentional. You talked about intention. Well, then you have to be intentional about the way that you live your life and maybe try to combat some of those things. Because yeah. I think undoubtedly in the modern time, while so many people struggle 
with Salah is that, and it's kind of like death by a thousand cuts. You don't know Arabic. You're not generally familiar with the Quran. You're accustomed to stuffing, you know, uh, 10 pounds of dirt in a five pound bag. So you're stuffing your Islam in these little tiny sacks of time, not really going to it as Allah describes as what, as a raghba and rahba, not out of sincere hope and fear, but okay, I just need to check this box. And then when you get in there, your mind is still so discombobulated. Um, I, I think that has a lot to do with yeah. the fracturing of your, um, you know, the fracturing of your of your attention. One hundred percent. The um, interestingly enough, the next um, read more books concept here was uh, regular practice. But before we do that, there was one thing about posture and prayer. And one thing that really helped me when I read a hadith and when the Prophet was explaining to someone how to pray, and he reminded us, you know, every movement, once you, you know, from your standing to your bowing, just let your bones rest at that point. Stop yes. right there. And we went over that this weekend. Right? Yeah. We call in, 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 particularly in the Maliki Medheb, but in some others, right? We call it Tuma'nina. Tuma'nina. Tuma'nina means to come to rest. Yes. As Allah says in Surah Ra'ad, do hearts not find rest in the remembrance of Allah? Mm. Right? And so that same word, Tuma'nina, right, means right, yeah, at every movement, you have a little pause, a little coming to rest. So you're not, you know, you're not just doing one continuous, it's not Cirque du Soleil, man, you know. (laughs) Gymnastics, eh? Cirque du Salah. It's not Cirque du Salah, man. You know, come and, you know, and that means like you have to pause. You know, you gotta, you know, what are you doing? You know, like what what are you doing? Yeah. You know, and, and, and more importantly, who are you doing it for? Yeah. So, yeah, that really helped me. I mean, sometimes you come up from uh, Sajda. You need to catch your breath. You know, you, you get a little winded there. You catch your breath, focus, but you're, you're, you're on a rush. I got to get back to the office. I got to do this. So, and you jump right into the fatia. You haven't caught your breath yet. Nothing's rested. And, you know, you breathed right through that one. So, again, you know, know where you're at. Get that humility. I'm standing before my Lord. And so, so keep that Deadless. in mind. And Deadless. And so the idea of regular practice. So practicing outside of, the, outside of your, your prayer and conditioning your mind to be humble and be focused, be concentrating on what we're about to do, you know, and you'll bring that attitude into the prayer. So also being consistent in your prayer. Yeah, That's going to be just... And that's with anything in life, being consistent. Um, I think, too, one thing that might impede somebody and and increase the tendency towards uh, distraction and thought is if... I'm not. I'm not saying these things to shame people. I'm not saying that you have to be half of the Quran, right? That that might that might, you know most of the Sahaba were not hafad of the Quran. They didn't memorize the entirety of the Quran. But the more that you can memorize, right? And I was surprised to, to learn that some people didn't know. Like you know, if you let's say you want to recite uh, something of Surah Al Baqarah, you don't have to recite the whole entire Surah Al Baqarah. No. You could just recite a portion of it in in, in, in you know in one of the rakaah, and so. Kind of expanding your portfolio 
of Quran that you've memorized, even if it's just short little pockets of things here or there, three verses, five verses, enough, so that you have some variance. Because if all you know is, you know, Surah Al-Asr and Surah Al-Nasr and Surah Al-Ikhlas, and you're saying those three or four ayah, you know, uh, surahs over and over and over and over and over and over and over, then that's going to contribute to the mindlessness mm. and the distraction because, you know, you say the same thing over. Of course, the Fatiha, I said, man, how many people, and I did, I, this is a couple of years ago, but man, everybody like raised their hand in the halaqa. I said, how many of you, you begin your prayer, Allahu Akbar. And you're reciting al you know, alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. And then it's like by the time you get to, you know, or when you're almost like four-fifths done with it, it's like you come back to it, you come back to yourself. So if you're, you've recited four-fifths of al-fatiha mindlessly, right? And then you come back to, uh, you come, come back to reality, that's because, you know, again, that you, you, if you really think of, you know what the words mean, you know, right? If you really know what those words mean, that will help. Uh, fighting the other things that lead to the fracturing of your attention, you know, will help. Um, but yeah, I, I think if if you if one of the things that can lead to mindlessness in the in the in the, in the prayer is just not knowing enough Qur'an mm. to make it kind of interesting. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so these were, um, we, we, we discussed self-reflection and, you know, really taking some time to think about um, where your prayer was weak. It was daif, if you will. Yeah. It was deficient. Um, that might be helpful. And uh, seeking knowledge. Continuously on yes. your journey of seeking knowledge. You know, studying the Qur'an, even to the point where you say, okay, I haven't been able to memorize the entire Qur'an. Okay, but you can't study the entire Qur'an? So that at least when you go to the prayer, all of you bring all of that experience with you to the prayer. You know, um, yes. and that, that, that goes back to the word that you mentioned at the very beginning. This having the desire, the raghba. Having yeah. the desire, it's even what Allah Ta'ala said to the Prophet Sallallahu right? And to your Lord, have passion, have desire, have conviction. Um, mm. You know, a, a brother asked me the other day, he's, f- he's from Lebanon, and he was like, you know, he said, you know, mashallah, you know, brothers like you, you know, you come into Islam and, and uh, you know, you know, you, you, you have this great passion for... I said, yeah, man, it's kind of like, you know, like for us, we fall in love with Islam because we didn't have it. And so we... I'm still having this alaqa, you know, I'm still having this romantic mm-hmm. relationship with Islam after almost 35 years. It just is ceaselessly fascinating to me. Every facet of it, whether the, you know, the lang- studying the Arabic language or studying uh, tafsir, or studying the Quran, studying the legal ruler, it's just ceaselessly mm. fascinating. Mm-hmm. I said, man, like you, you got this beautiful wife, and everybody else, you know, uh, is kind of like oogling your wife when you're not looking, <laughs> but you never ever look at your wife. You know, 
we see this beautiful woman, and you're like, oh, man, you know, she all right. You know. <laughs> I said, you, you guys have to, you got to find your own way to fall in love with the slam. Yeah. I can't, I can't do that for you. I can tell you what I find really attractive about it. But you, you, you have to. And until you do that, you know, I think, uh, you know, it's just kind of like, well, you know, a marriage of convenience. Right. Yeah, good, good, good way to put it. Now, I might have to get security, man, this Friday, man. I might, man. I might get bum rushed. <laughs> I was thinking you should have said, uh, the analogy should have been towards a car. You got this nice Lamborghini, man. Yeah, but well, you went there. That's okay. I, 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 I had to take it there, man. I had to take it there. So speaking of these four categories, or you spoke of two, Aragba, or Aragba, Aragba, Aragba. Yeah. Um, so my wife was explaining some of these concepts she was taught from her sheikh a long time ago. And he mentioned that these four categories, if you will, um, should be instilled or sh- you should be having these in your salah. And if you can combine all of these in your salah, like you're really up there. Your maqam is getting pretty, right, pretty right. strong. Uh, but in these four categories, you might have, as Iman does, fluctuates. So you might have you this, this desire to be with Allah and love Allah and engaged in the salah. You might have that. And some days it might be a little less. Yes. Right. So this, these fluctuate. Yes, of but course. But it's a good kind of, um, if you will, accounting method of these four categories. Were they present in the salah? Did I have these at some point? And this might be a point where you would work on these. Yeah. So um, you kind of mentioned the idea of desire. Aragba is like this fear. Yes. You might have, right? And my wife presented it to me like this. It's as though... The, or the the comparison is if you have a fear of a lion, you run from the lion. But when you have this fear of Allah, it's like, yes, you fear Allah, but you have no one else to run to. So you run back to Allah yeah. to get it correct, right? And then we talked about koshua. So you're having this humility. So that's three aspects we should try and see if we have these categories, if you will. And then uh, al-khashia, which is a fear Except the sheikh said, this is a fear with elm. Yes, yes. That's the, you know, khawf, you know, is just like, I, as I would put it, it's like a kind of animalistic, reactionary, you mm. know, uh, fear. And a lot of you, and, and, and they're both, you know, uh, used interchangeably, you know. Uh, matter of fact, even like in some verses, in the akhafu alaykum, like the Prophet or like in Surah Al-Ma'idah, uh, I mean, in Surah Al-A'raf, right, in the seventh chapter, there's a passage where Allah talks about many of the NBA that were sent to their peoples, like Shu'aib, alayhi salam, and on and on. And he tell, you know, in the akhaf, I'm really scared for you guys if you don't leave off worshiping mm. other than Allah. I'm really fearful if you don't obey me as your prophet or messenger. In the akhaf, right? Adab ayyun azim. I really fear. So that's more like that kind of word. Whereas, akhashi al mutasaddi al min khashiyatillah. Right, the, the the mountain, it it would rip itself apart if the Quran had been revealed to it, because of khashya with the yeah right because it knows who Allah is. Yes, yes. So this fear with elm or knowledge of the magnitude of his punishment, 
So we come with that knowledge. Uh, and, and so these, these four aspects could be incorporated into the Salah, and then you can evaluate yourself if you're having these. So I thought that was a good, um, a good way of, of getting And then I think the other one you sure. mentioned was like Rahba. Yes. Right, Rahba, um, which you could say is have, have awe of Allah. Mm. Have uh, reverence, yes. be, be completely awestruck by him. And that's what Allah gives the command to Bani Israel. Uh, ya Bani Israel, idhkuru ni'mati allati anamtu alaykum. O Bani Israel, remember the favor that I conferred upon you. Wa'awfu bi'ahdi, and fulfill the covenant that we had between us. Ufu bi'ahdikum, and I will keep my contract with you. Wa'iyaya farhavun. And be in awe of me, because when what you know, what's the outcome of having awe and respect? You know, uh, one, you will have a moment of itlama inna, you will come to rest. Mm. You know, when you go somewhere, like if you go to the Grand Canyon, or you go, uh, you know, even for me, because I'm not from here originally, right? Whenever I look at the mountains in California, mm. especially in the wintertime, and Mount Baldy gets that nice little dusting up there, and it, one of those days where you just, you just in awe, you stop. You just stop and just are, you just stop in your tracks, right? Um, and, and, and you also, it's a stopping of which you are aware of your insignificance to that great mm. thing. So I can look at the mountain and just, here I am, there's a little like, and you think like, man, that's like 10,000 feet high. And how much must that thing weigh? And it's so beautiful and it's this and this and this, right? And you have this moment of, reflection and all these things that are mixed together. Yeah. And that's just for a mountain. And Allah says to all of us, but he said to Bani Israel, Right? Always he said, what? Why did I respond to the dua of Zechariah when he called upon me? And, I, and don't leave me, what? Fardan, don't leave me alone. I responded to them because they called upon me, Yada'una, they called upon me, what? Raghban wa rahban. They called upon me with hope but also in total awe and fear. Yeah. Yeah, these, and that's what the Sheikh was. He was pulling these out of the Quran to kind yeah. of give us this, you know, well-rounded uh, state we should have. And he mentions, you know, out of all of these four states, you should have at least one of them, if not all of them, trying to achieve all of them in your Salah. So, you know, coming to this, and, you know, this practice and practice and practice and, and just engaged in your religion, you know, you, you're, you're going to, that's your effort. You're going to be getting, you'll be getting what you were seeking. You know, you're trying to achieve this Salah and please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and get real deep in your devotion. You'll achieve it. And if you just kind of want that shallow, <laughs> just getting your toes wet, well, you know, you'll, you'll get what you want. Yes. So some questions here. In the Salah, can you close your eyes? It is permissible. What category is that? Fall under. I mean, this will differ. I've heard some, uh, it's like haram, not haram, but it's disliked. Some some will say that it is disliked. But again, when we say that a thing is disliked, the closing of eyes, is it madhmum? Mm. You know, is it something that you could potentially be punished for? Or more importantly, are you, re- even if it's makruh, we say it's disliked. Are you rewarded uh, for opening the eyes, right? And th- these are things that the yeah. mutafaqihin 
uh, have debated about, and there are some that will the, some that put it in that category, and others that you know uh, not so much. Um, again, you may be leaving. Let's say let's say we take a certain uh, we take a certain qawl, a certain uh, uh, stance that says, okay, it's makruh to close the eyes. This is let's say this is in your madhab or the particular uh, qawl that you're going to. Okay, fine, and so. If we if we would to, to take the meaning of that, if I close my eyes, I'm kind of robbing myself of a few blessings or a few uh, some baraka, right? But I'm not going to be punished if I do close them. Mm. But if I close my eyes in my prayer, and that allows me to make fewer mistakes in my recitation, or if it allows me to not be distracted as much, if it allows me to have more khushua in my salah, then. Right, this is something that has to be taken into. Now, what you can't say is, well, when I close my eyes, I pray better, mm. and therefore you should do that too. <laughs> yeah. Right, this is what I'm saying. Like we yeah. have to be, we don't want to because when we can't come up with these classifications, you know, mandu, uh, mustahab, this and that, right, makruh, and so mm. on, we don't want to just throw these out with you know, the baby out with the bathwater and disregard them. Okay. Uh, we want to also remember their limitations. This is a fadila. This is a, you know, there's a slight reward here and there. Uh, even in the case of a sunnah where it's a very strong thing, right, where, you know, there's definitely some ajr if you do it and you're you're leaving blessings on the table, you know, uh, so to speak, if you were to leave it off, but not elevating to the point where, like, that person's blameworthy, right? But then don't flip your own personal anecdotal experiences and make them into, like, some new hukum, right? right? Some right. new ruling. Now, we talked about intrusive thoughts. Um. Is there a differentiation when we get a thought that we might consider, I'm going to use the term, like it could be this Hatar Malakani, or that wouldn't happen in the prayer. So we're getting this kind of angelic inspiration of, you know what, I got this idea comes to you that it's a, it's a good thing. It might be business related. I don't mm-hmm. know. But you're in the prayer, you're in Sajda maybe, and all of a sudden you're inspired of a good idea that might be related to dunya or something. Is I mean, these intrusive thoughts, not, not just your regular thought like, oh my God, did I leave on the water? Or I don't know, some weird, obscure thought, mm-hmm. but more that's focused or related, this intrusive thought that comes. But it's kind of a good idea thing. <laughs> I don't know. Is that, how do we, how do we... Well, I think one when you are doing the when you're doing the prayer, whether the whether the intrusive thought is like, you know, something negative, like you know you're thinking about you know something negative, or right. it's even positive, like you're 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 like I'll be I'll, I'll I'll use it in a positive, and this happens to me on occasion where I'll be reciting something in the prayer, and because I do know what I'm saying. Sometimes my mind will go on a little journey like that. and starts yeah. connecting dots and going way off. And then it's like, is this the second raka'ah or the third raka'ah? <laughs> you know, because that can happen. Yeah. Now, that's wonderful to be thinking about all of the, you know, various, you know, things of significances of this or that. But like, wait a minute, what am I doing? That's not the time no, right. to be expounding. Um, or another one, I'll be reciting and 
for whatever reason, that verse, I connect some dots, I'm like, man, that's going to be the chutbah for this Friday. This is not the time to start building a bullet list, right, to kind of outline my chutbah, you know, while reciting in Salat al-Asr. This is not the right time. So I have to repress that even at the cost of losing. And I can't tell you how many times it popped in. Oh, no, put it to the side, finish the prayer. Okay. Now, what was that I had? I lost it. Yeah. Okay, fine. I lost the topic for my chutbah, but I suppressed the thought and finish the prayer to the best of my ability, alhamdulillah, that takes a precedence. Okay. So those are those little nuances that happen, right? That yes. So, I, like, for myself, sometimes I I might just be in sajda, and I had this issue, and then I get some resolve. Mm-hmm. Now, for, I I thought to myself, okay, this is, like, a good this was a good thing. I knew, and I was still aware of where I'm at. Right. So what would you say to something like this? We finished like the, the Fatia, we're out of our standing. We've done our, but I might be in, in Sajda and I, I get this, if you will, inspiration of a solution for something or, you know, yeah, I, I think, you know, Shaitan will come to you. Right. So here's the thing. If you're wondering, is this, you know, is this from the Malik or from the Shaitan? Mm. It's from the Malik or the Jinn. Any distraction in the prayer is going to be from the Shaitan, mm. right? The Malaika do not disobey Allah. Yeah. And they are not going to encourage you to either A, disobey him, or B, fudge up what you're doing. So, you know, it can come in the guise of a good idea. That's always still going to be, mm. you know, perhaps the because your little jinn knows you so well. Man, when I come to him about the girl in the red dress, that just doesn't seem to work. But when yeah. I come with him with these good ideas, boy, right. he and I go off on some flights of fancy, man, yeah, yeah. like nobody's business. So, you know, understanding what ultimately the sources of it are and what are your responsibilities in that particular situation. Your responsibility yeah. is to complete the prayer and to know focus on it, right? And Allah yeah. says what? Right? Have sabr, right? Persevere and hold down the prayer. It's going to be a big, difficult thing. Yeah. Except for the people of Khushu'a. Mm. So, you know, that means that the people of Khushu'a, and those, as Allah says, Alladinahum fi salatihim khashi'un. The successful will be those that were diligent and, and humble and focused in their prayer, right? I mean, I don't want to make this to, my, my con, I'll just put this in here as like a caveat. If you are a person that struggles with this, don't let your struggle and perhaps even your frustrations with your struggles have that persuade you or dissuade you from being regular in your prayer or to think, oh man, you know, Allah Allah doesn't want me to be close to him. No. This is this is why Allah this is why Allah says, What's the somebody with salah? Persevere through it. You have distractions, you have intrusive thoughts about, you know, the girl in the red dress or this is a great way to solve world poverty. <laughs> Whatever whichever one of those that enters into your head, just persevere through that and understand the value of doing the prayer far exceeds any, you know, it, it, imagine it's like you went to do a triple axel 
and you twisted your ankle a little bit, and so the Russian judge gave you a six. You still got a you still got a mark, right? Right. You don't want to not get a number. Right. You don't want to not do it. Right. We can. That's what I said. It's beware of the making it into your own personal Olympics. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely strive to be excellent in everything you do. Uh, but be careful of making every single execution of it to where you become like, you know, so consumed by the minutia of it that you may actually wind up convincing yourself or shaitan may convince you, well, you know, if it ain't 10 out of 10, bro, it ain't even worth doing. Mm. You know, go do, you know, go do something else, <laughs> you know, or, you know, people, you yeah. know, go, go feed some poor people instead. Yeah. You should definitely go feed poor people, but that in no way supersedes or replaces That's right doing that, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that 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 would be one to, you know, just to caution people against of being overly granular uh in your desires, you know. There there's a really interesting statement by Imam Shatabi. Mm. <laughs> and he said something that I think is worthy of, of reflecting on. And so he said that he said, Sahibul Hawa, like a person of desires. He said, qalba, if that enters into his or her heart, hubbahu, and they imbibe, right, they imbibe the love of that. Right? They become they become beholden to it. He says, La ta'amalu fihi. No amount of admonition or reprimanding will work on that kind of person. Mm. No proof of whether you, proofs don't work on that person, they won't accept it. Right? And, he, and then in addition, he says, uh, and nor uh, he won't care about anything that happens to disagree with him or gets in his way. And that's what I meant about be careful of what you so easily and unwittingly give your attention to. You have to, I mean, I don't, I'm not being crass, but you almost have to think of your attention is like virginity. You know, Virginity means something when you're not married. Right. Right? It means something when you're not married, and it and it means something enormous when you give it to that person when it's lawful and permissible to give it, then it can mean so much. Right. And so in many ways we have to think of like our attention is precious. We only have so much of it. And the and, and 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 the proof is in the pudding. Why do you think everybody wants our attention? You know, General Mills wants your attention. Ford wants your attention. Pfizer wants your attention. You know, uh, uh, Microsoft, Apple. Everybody wants your attention. Mm-hmm. That's what all this data, data, data. Mm-hmm. They're not just simply acquiring data. They're acquiring data to figure out how to better get a hold of your attention. They want you to give it up. And more importantly, they want you to give it up willingly. They don't want to have to beat it out of you. <laughs> yeah. 
right? No, I'm serious. It's like true. they don't want to have to beat your attention out of you because, you know, there, there, there's going to be. It's hard to have a lifelong customer if you have to beat their uh, allegiance to your product. Yeah, the best customer is the one that will come willing oh, yeah. to you all the time or is very pliable you know it's like a dope fiend every all I, I i don't even like you will come to me for the dope now right right um and so attention is probably you know one of the most precious commodities that exist and that's why corporations are willing to by hook or crook and through the spending of billions and trillions of dollars, acquire that. And so be a bit more be a bit more discerning in the same way that, you know, a person that is known to just sleep around, that's a person that's not going to attract a good mate. Um, that's not a person that if in the case of a man, no no man is gonna to want to marry their daughter to that man to that man. In mm. the case of a woman, no, nobody's going to want to uh, marry their son to that kind of a woman, mm. right? So, be 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 a bit more prudish, <laughs> you know, yeah. about giving your attention away so easily. Right. I I heard an interesting concept then in regards to what you value, and one of the aspects of how you can t- determine what you truly value is what's close to in your proximity. So what's the closest thing in your proximity, in your office, in your living room, at in your bedroom? What's near you all the time? Yes. And you give great value to that thing. Now, they use that for other things. You might look towards a job in that or some kind of, you know, because you have that close to your proximity, why aren't you using that as some vehicle towards, you know, a means of a career? But... I looked at, when I heard that, I said, well, yeah, what is in my proximity around me when I sit down on this couch or when I'm over here? Yep. And, and alhamdulillah, oh yeah, there's my Quran, there's my sajjada, there's my, <laughs> there, there's all my gear for my, my deen. Right. So, you know, another way to process your, what you value and getting your kushore and getting yourself uh, not consumed by, you know, all, uh, as you mentioned, uh, all these distractions. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe reevaluate what you value just by looking around what's near to you in proximity. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, what do you get out of it? It's kind of like, you know, as a man, I like women. And like most men, you know, and and, and women like men. My hand's up. Right? You know, women like men, men like women. Yes. Women like good-looking men, men like good-looking women. Okay, fine. But... If you are constantly settling for the low-hanging fruit fruit of flirtation, then you're not really going to get anything. Uh, and there's a there is a kind of guy, and there is a kind of girl that love to peacock, they love to get your attention, but they will give you absolutely nothing in return, <laughs> right? They'll give you nothing in return, right? Uh, until you, you know, you put in the work to find a good woman, or in the case of what you put a woman, you find a put in the work, find a good man that is going to still give you some of that eye candy, right? Mm-hmm. Which is a good thing, um, but they're going to give you something else as well, right? 
Um, and so in the same way, like, it's not that you shouldn't give your attention to anything, but just give your attention to also give something back. And Islam as a deen and the Quran as a book and the Prophet والسلام, as a messenger will always give back to you. Mm. It will always give back to you. So, you know, w- you know, want for yourself uh, as well. Don't just settle for, you know, sure. You go, you know, and I, I, when I say sure, I'm just saying, let's just be honest from a psychological point of view. You know, you, you're going somewhere and some girl notices you and you, everybody likes that, that, that feeling, right? But one, is that a pleasing thing to Allah, mm. right? And two, what, what do I really get out of it? Okay, you know, she, she smiled at me and I, well, what is this? Right. You know. Yeah. So, refocusing uh, ourselves outside of the Salah. So we're prepared for in you know and being intentional, in like just you know, just be be, be a bit more guarded. Be the murabit. Yeah. Be a bit more guarded. Think of yourself like you know you're on that you're on the frontier. You're in the garrison, and uh, resources are precious, and you can't afford to just give your attention to everything. That's right. You know, and there's got to be a there's got to be some type of uh, gatekeeping and fee. You know, you you want my attention. There's a fee for that, mm. you know. I got to get something in return. Um, that, w- that, w- that, w- that would be my. If I say anything more, man, I think <laughs> I think I'm gonna have to go. Well, that was good, no, insightful. I, that was uh, one I've been wanting to do. That came in my salat now. Alhamdulillah, <laughs> speaking, it's gonna be. Uh, yeah. It's going to be time for Salah here in a minute, man. So let's get focused. That was episode 11. Jazakum ala khairan for listening. Hope that you enjoyed that one. Again, just a reminder, you can find us on Apple Podcasts as well as on Spotify. I was joined for episode 11 again by my beloved brother Dawood Aleman. And leave us some, uh, leave us some comments and some questions. And also leave us any feedback in terms of what you would like to hear in the future. You can uh, find us on also our Substack uh, to keep track of that and to leave any comments. We hope to see you in the next episode. Assalamualaikum.